as I've gotten older, I've noticed that my hobbies have kind of dwindled. I still like to exercise. I like to watch movies. I like to watch the Vikings lose. Um, but outside of that, I don't have a, a ton of hobbies because, you know, you have family and, and kids and, and there's so much taking up all that time. But I have thought more recently, now that we've been doing this podcast, I'm like, you know, maybe I could get into this. What if, what if flipping houses is a new hobby? Problem is, I, I, don't, I don't know if I know enough. Hey, let's build it on Radio.com with Corey Heppola and from Lindus Construction, Andy Lindus. All right, so the one thing that I know if I'm going to flip a house is that I want to buy low and then I want to get a house that I can turn around and flip for more money. I think that that would be the idea, Andy. You know, um, it, it's all good in theory. And if this isn't a hobby that you really want to get into, I have a list of, of tools you should buy because my experience tells me that, and, and I, and I hate giving people bad news. It's just, it's not in my DNA, but I get called out on these estimates. They just purchase this home. It's their, their first big investment as, as a couple, they bought a foreclosed as is property and they want me to price out as minimal, what it's going to take to get it to code. And so they can sell it. And I start looking around and I find $10,000 worth of damage, $20,000 worth of work, $30,000 worth of work, $40,000 work. Sometimes it can be 20, 30, 40% of what the purchase price was in order to get this house to code. And, and when you buy an as-is home, and especially some of the HUD-type homes, you don't have a lot of time to do all of your due diligence and, and get it, especially if it's a cash offer. Like some of these auction offers, you're, you're, you're writing a check that day. So then you have to actually get it to code before you can actually start to get a mortgage on it. So getting it to code might take you 60, 90, 120 days. So you got to make sure you have enough cash flow to be able to float that and if you're going to be doing a lot of this work yourself, you're talking just upfront expenses, Corey, four or five, $6,000 in tool purchases, or you're going to, I can give you a, a, the number of some great tool rental places, but there's things that you're going to have to learn and you're going to be spending a lot of time the, the people that I know that are good at this are good renovators and they spend an awful lot of their own time at these houses, remodeling them and fixing them because there's just not a lot in the budget to hire it done. So what you're saying is it's much more difficult uh, than it would appear. Now, we, we did an episode earlier, too, as a few weeks ago, but on the reality TV show mm-hmm. and all those shows and they make it look oh glamorous. And hey, look, in, in a half hour or an hour, you're in your new home. But the reality is it's from from your from what you're talking about here. The reality is, is that buying a foreclosure, th- there's typically there's reasons why it's a foreclosure. Yeah, and, and don't get me wrong, swinging a sledgehammer into a wall can be fun for about a minute and a half. <laughs> but when you got a whole day of demo work and then taking out the garbage and, and, and then you find wiring that's bad and I don't know, it's just a lot can go into it. You know, if you do your due diligence up front and it's a house you know and you're just looking at buying a house and rehabbing it, that's one thing, but I think the better investment is a house. Maybe that doesn't need so much work. And maybe it's something that you're looking at staying in for 10 years and you're going to rent it out. There's, there's, there's a lot of opportunity for that. I I just think for me, 
that seems like a better option more often than not than buying a house that's dilapidated and needs a lot of work or 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 you need to go into that knowing that this is a year-long investment it's going to take me a year to to remodel it and then hopefully i can make 10 20 percent of my money the home runs they're great but the and the, the easy quick flips they're they're awesome they're just they're pretty rare there's you know, real estate agents are pretty smart. They they seem to seem to scoop up those deals with their friends and family when when they come about. So you need to be on your game and paying attention and and in the know. I think in order to find those types of deals. And are you calling? Are you calling uh, people to inspect it? You know, experts to inspect it before. Like, I mean, do you. But that's something you want to do, right? So that you can find, because if you're talking about getting in there and all of a sudden, okay, now this wiring is bad. Once you start opening up walls, okay, this wiring's bad. The plumbing's bad. The electricity's bad. Like you, you had mentioned, but those prices just start to, to ramp up. And then plus two, like if you're doing it yourself, you may not know how to do everything. You have to get experts in there and, and hire them out too. Yeah, you know, and in this last housing bubble, people were bitter. They were taking things and pipes and and, and destroying the house as, as they were leaving it, or it sat vacant enough and somebody else came in and 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 stole that stuff. So say the entire electrical panel is bad, or somebody cut something there and wires. You have no idea if any appliance in the house works with until you hook that up, unless you're going to bring a generator to the job and then you can test all that stuff. And, and not all home inspectors are created equal. When it comes to foreclosed properties, you need to do your due diligence and have somebody that's like a structural engineer, maybe get an electrician to look at it. Somebody that specializes in basements and foundations and exterior specialists, you know, and the people that are, that are in this for business and they're doing it on a regular basis, they have those people on speed down. They're working with those people on a regular basis. So, I mean, it's doable, but it's a lot more work than a half hour TV show that you've seen on HGTV is going to really let on. Yeah. This hobby seems like a lot more work than I anticipated. Although to be honest, it sounds about as difficult as watching the Vikings. Like that's, it seems like it's on that level, like trying to be a Vikings fan and, and trying to, uh, yeah. trying to flip a house. It's, it's a lot I, of work. It is. Uh, it's a great analogy. It's like one kick in the gut after another all day. Every as you tear into a wall, it's another fumble. Something's would, going bad. It would be much easier to be a Packer fan like yourself. Okay, I do, <laughs> I do have a, uh, a question for you on siding. Hey, here's what's trending. All right, so whether it's a fixer-upper or whether it's your own home, what are the best and worst siding options? Oh, you know, for me... It really depends on the area in which you live, but uh, LP smart side and seamless steel siding are my two favorites. Now, they're both both of those materials come in a wide variety of profiles, so it's 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 not rare where we have three or four different types of profiles or colors that are going on a home. Those those are my two best my my two favorite. But now, having said that, I've seen both of those products look terrible. Mm. And I've seen both of those products look terrible within a couple of years of them being installed. I think it's more important picking out the who's going to install your siding than it is the type of siding. A lot of the siding that's made nowadays is pretty good, but I'm telling you, um, everyone thinks they can install it, but there's a lot of intricacies. And, and I, I've been in this business for a very long time. 
and we started all deciders. And still to this day, I only have eight guys that I trust to do this every single day. I mean, they are true craftsmen and, and, and they're taking the, the exterior of your home, dealing with all those expansion and contractions and all those rules for, for water infiltration and air infiltration that you have to follow and making sure that a, a product that's supposed to last 50 years really does. Okay. So, so what else, what, what else, why is it, you just mentioned there quickly, but what mm -hmm. else makes it so intricate and so difficult? Well, just take a look at the, the front of a home. You might be dealing with pieces of siding that are six inches wide to pieces of siding that are 20 feet wide. And those are going to expand and contract at different rates and how you install them, how you seal them, how you do the underlayment. And more importantly, how you're going to flash the windows, the tapes that you use, things of that nature, and the consistency in which you're flashing it. Let's just take a uh, steel siding for an example. Steel siding actually has an elongated nailing fin. And the way that's supposed to be nailed is in the middle, snug, not tight. That's done that way to allow it to expand and contract. When you do it uh, to one side or the other, all of a sudden, when the sun hits that siding, you're going to hear a lot of popping happening. And that's the expansion and contraction. It's building up pressure and then it pops and it releases. And it's just not fun. You're, you're sitting on your brand new porch. You just had all the siding put on. The sun hits it. And you can't think because it, someone, it sounds like someone's got a popcorn machine going off next to you. Mm -hmm. And that's an installation error. Uh, vinyl siding, same thing. You know, not vinyl, not a, not that vinyl siding is a great option. You asked about what's the worst siding to pick your house. To me, it's plastic. That that vinyl stuff, it fades. It doesn't look good. It's it's a temporary fix to a house like that you might be trying to flip would be the only time I would use that vinyl siding. Now, me personally, I wouldn't use it because my name to my me is always going to be attached to it. So I'm going to use something else. But if you're if cost is a big thing for you, vinyl siding is something you're going to choose. There's a reason why vinyl siding is picked by most builders in most markets to be used. Why? Yeah. Because it's cheap. Mm -hmm. What about windows and doors? Okay. So say if you're replacing your windows, we've talked about that and why and when and some signs, but, mm -hmm. but what windows? And then um, last episode, we talked about that front door and, and just how important that is. But say you need to replace your, your windows and doors. Uh, you know, what are some of the best options there? Yeah, on, on both, on material-wise, there's some really interesting options over the last five years that, that have come out. Uh, Marvin has their Altrex material. Um, it's like a fiberglass. It has the same expansion and contraction rate as glass, so it's very stable. And it's a dual-pane glass, and I'm actually getting better performance from this Marvin Infinity window than I am from our Season Guard triple-pane window. And having said that, you know, we're in the land of wonderful build window builders. We have Marvin to our north, Anderson right on the shores of the St. Croix River, and Pella just to our south in Iowa. All three of those window manufacturers make a fantastic window when you buy their higher-end window. All three of those window manufacturers make a lower-end window that I would not install in my home. Now, if you are going to a box store or something, chances are you might be getting one of those lower end windows. Do your research and make sure you're buying one of the higher end windows. It has a better warranty and it's just built better. These people take a lot of pride in putting their name on that window. And I'm telling you, when you buy the Anderson 400 series, the Pella designer window or the ultimate from Marvin, either any one of those windows, you're gonna be pretty good off. Now, me personally, I like the Marvin Ultimate as my favorite wood window. I just think that the, the people up in War Road, Minnesota know how to make a hardy window for our winters. 
Yeah. We used to play War Road in, in football. Yeah. He was like five. Uh, we, we'd usually beat him. We're a bigger school, but they were, um, there's some tough kids up there, some tough kids. And they're like five hours away from, from where we're at. And we're, you know, Perm's three and a half hours from where I'm at now. So it's War Road's way up there. But, you know, you had said something on a previous episode that's really stuck with me. You know, look, if you're going to do something, do it right. Do it right the mm-hmm. first time because if you don't and you you try to go the more inexpensive route, you end up lots of times paying for it twice. Yeah, my uh, my dad always said, and you know, when you buy quality, you only cry once. It's when you write the check. It's when you <laughs> when you try to cut yeah. corners. It's uh, and have to pay for it twice. That can really hurt. And 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 it doesn't mean you have to break the bank. And, and by all means, don't put yourself in a financial strain when it comes to home improvements. There's lots of good options out there, but. If for me, if I had to choose between doing the whole thing with a cheaper product or part of my windows with a good product and I can do it in stages over years, I'm going to choose the latter all day, every day. Just I just think that there's a big, big enough difference in low end windows to high end windows and, and, and not all doors are created equal either. You know, um, I, I can get you a front door that costs $500. I can also price out a front door that costs $25,000. Now, those are both crazy ends of the spectrum, but a good front door is typically going to be in that three to $5,000 range. So mm-hmm. that's what I would anticipate spending. If you're, if you're paying less than that for a professional to install it, chances are it's inferior materials that just aren't going to last. They're going to warp and, and you're not going to even have a good enough time painting it in, down the road because it starts to fall apart. You know, living in a pandemic, we've not talked about this, but I, I want to get your, your thoughts on a virtual home improvement. Hey, here's health. And I know, Andy, you've had to do a lot of these, these estimates, right? A virtual mm-hmm. home improvement estimate. Um, and that's, I don't know if that was something new before the pandemic or the pandemic has, has pushed you further into that or, or where it lies, but, but how do you feel about them? You know, uh, people have been working on this for, for quite a while. Um, we've had the technology for a couple of years now where I can literally send you a text message and the text message is going to then instruct you to take a walk around your house, take eight pictures from every corner and every side. And that's going to create a virtual 3D model of your home that gives me every measurement of the exterior of your home. It's great. I can change the colors. I can price out preliminary. But what it doesn't allow me to do is is the inspection process when when you're doing home improvements especially remodels there's a lot that goes into it and there's a lot that's underneath the 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 exterior of your home or what what is showing on the home and we're going to use tools that not only give us the moisture levels of different materials we have borescopes and and digital microscopes we can put into walls we had infrared imaging that we're going to want to do and and just as much as getting inside your attic and looking around uh, a satellite image and a picture doesn't show me that you have mold somewhere or rotten a rotten truss that's going to have to be addressed or inadequate r value in a certain area it just really isn't so it's all fine and dandy but i haven't found anything that can replace a true professional doing a actual inspection of your house and using the tools that we have now i mean the tools that we can use nowadays compared to 10 years ago have come a long ways and I'm not saying that we won't get to virtual estimates and maybe eventually a little uh, 3D robot, Andy, will pop up and inspect everything and report back to me. But until then, we it's a combination of virtual estimates, social distancing, wearing masks and, and, and everything to be safe. And, and we're able to find out what we need to find out. So when we start a home improvement project, 
there's no surprises. That's yeah. that's really what I try to avoid, Corey. I, I want to be as upfront and, and, and know exactly what we're getting into and know exactly how much we're going to have to work on this house before we even pound one nail. Hologram Andy pops up. Hologram for your, Andy. For your, mm. how, what would you, how's the breakdown for you? How many of the virtual home improvement estimates are you doing compared to in person? Like what would be the percentage breakdown at this point? You know, about 50% of all of our estimates are done no touch. Um, mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that we haven't inspected the house or walked the roof. Um, and 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 if they, if it's, some, say, if it's something like a roof job that, that they want to go ahead with, before we actually go ahead with it, we're going to want to get in the attic and look at that as yeah. well. If we haven't been able to, or for, for whatever reason, people, you know, you know how it is right now. It's uh, we find out, they find out the day before that we're supposed to get there, that they need to self quarantine for 14 days. Instead of putting it off for a month, there's a lot of things that we can do virtually to get the ball rolling and, and, and not make a difficult situation even more difficult. You just yeah. try to be flexible and, and be as upfront with people. You know, if there's anything that's come out of this, Corey, it seems that, the understanding and the empathy that people are starting to show, you know, it seemed early on people were getting really tense, but the last couple of months, it seems like people are calming down a little bit. And I don't want to say they're getting used to it because I don't want to be used to this, but I think the empathy factor is starting to come in and everyone's starting to work together and it's, uh, it's been refreshing. And I think it has caused us to, to look at, you know, whether it's a business or an industry or a service uh, or an organization, it's it's caused us to go, okay, well, how else can we offer something or, or be more efficient in what we do? And I think it has forced us to kind of creatively think a little bit different. And I think that's great. I think we will find like a happy balance with a lot of these things as you're talking mm -hmm. about. But yeah, at the beginning, it was like, oh my God, how are we going to do any of this stuff? And and now we're, we're getting to a space where it's like, hey, we can do this and we can do this. This way is still better. But we can offer this, and if and if it's a really difficult situation, we we are able to offer this virtually. So that's 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 that. I mean, in the end, that's good. Yeah, you know, and 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 everybody, everything is moving to online purchasing, online purchasing, I, and I've stayed away from it. It just seems so personal. It's our home. Like I said, I try to do as much upfront to, to tell people what's going to happen and how it's going to happen, more so than trying to sell anyone anything. It seems like I I try to scare people away from doing it more than more than anything. I just want to be upfront and you know, picking and choosing on a website. I've walked through them and I've tried it. I put my wife through it. We were testing this stuff constantly, and nothing's perfect yet. So. And like I said, just work our way through it. Technology is going to get there someday, yep. right? Yep. It's going to be there. And, and that's kind of the cool part. Uh, you get to constantly learn. I know oh, that, that, that I'm learning about this stuff, the headphones, the computer, the, 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 what we can use in a house every single day. And, and when it comes to virtual estimates, it's going to get better for sure. And, and hologram Andy will be there for you right there. Me, for and, you. Yeah, me and Tupac. Hey, here's a pointer. All right. So when it comes to buying an investment property, I think it's very, very important not only to have a home inspector you trust, but somebody in the remodeling industry that you trust that can help you take a look at this listing. And if you're not comfortable pricing out what it's going to take to remodel this house to get it sellable again, you need a professional involved. Way too many times, as we were talking about earlier, I give people and I just see this look come across their face and it feels like I just took the wind out of their sails. This investment that they were going to make a lot of money on and set themselves up for the future is now going to cost them money. And it's just not a fun conversation to have. So if you're thinking about getting into this, it's an awesome way to go about life. You're remodeling something, you're building with your hands. There's a chance to make some good money. 
but it's a chance you could lose some money too. So get a professional involved and do your due diligence like anything up front. Did you see my face? Because it, it changed as we were talking. <laughs> it seemed a lot more it seemed a lot more difficult as we went along there. And uh, yeah, I think I'm gonna put that hobby on hold, Andy. You know, I was already writing my tool list for you. You were about to be have as many Milwaukee tools as I do. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's on hold. It's on hold. Thanks, Andy. <laughs> Thank you. 